0: Today's sponsor of Happy, Say, Confused is Loot Crate. For less than $20 a month, Loot Crate gives the geek in you a special treat every month. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with over $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, and more delivered to your mailbox every single month. This month, we're all cowering in fear at the return of the villains. So join Loot Crate as they celebrate everybody's darker side with epic items from Marvel, and exclusive figure, a unique wearable item that they've never put in a crate before. By the way, this crate is a huge one and much more. It's good to be bad, guys, right? You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. But when the cutoff happens, guys, just know that's it. It's over. You missed out. So go to lootcrate.com happy. Enter code happy to save $3 on your new subscription today. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy Sad Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. If I sound like I have more gravitas this week, it's only because I have a cold and I'm trying to get sympathy from you. Hi. Joel, do I have your sympathy? No. Making his third appearance on the podcast, give it up for Joel. Hey. Oh god. Um, welcome to the show, guys. For those that have been uh, listening to Happy Sad Confused for the last year plus, you're awesome. For Over the a year? Over a year did well, you do we, a we started anniversary with show our first no we didn't do an anniversary show i actually don't know when the official anniversary is definitely over a year kate mara was the first guest and um i don't know if we've come a long way as i say that because i'm still just sitting in an office with crude microphones in front of me and you're here so well i
1: mean that's that's all about perspective from I, kate mara to you joel we're, we're very similar we're you very we're tiny yeah we have lovely hair yeah uh that's about you it both were that's pushed weird. into a train oh. By Kevin Spacey. (laughs) Yeah, mine actually happened in real life. It's a funny story. We don't have time for it. Long story. next time. time. Next time
0: on the podcast. Um, Joel is joining me in the podcast this week uh, as we are about to introduce my conversation that was just transpired with Mister Guy Ritchie, which was awesome. Guy Ritchie. uh, I kind of hoped he would be. I've interviewed him a couple times. Um, He's one of those filmmakers that. Well, he certainly. I don't. He doesn't have a reputation, but he's got a style certainly i think i think for good or for bad and i think it's for good you know a guy ritchie film when you see one that 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 flair that energy um that that he's brought to sherlock and lock stock and two smoking barrels and his new film man from uncle uh, is very identifiable and of
1: course it didn't hurt that he was married to madonna for a few years No, I don't see... I mean, that definitely helped his filmmaking. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, meaning his celebrity and that kind of thing. Yeah, yes. Put him on the... the, From the mainstream. He was an indie darling, and then he really transitioned into... Exactly. And this conversation was cool because um, we talk a little bit... He's super, super frank and super...
0: open about his trajectory in terms of uh, lock stock was obviously the film that made him um, a, a big time filmmaker to be reckoned with. And then um, uh, snatch, which will, you know, went to the next level. You get Brad Pitt in your movie. Suddenly you're, you know, being noticed by a lot of people. And then we even talk about swept away, which was kind of his reckoning. Speaking of Madonna, um, which, Probably still wounds him to this day a little bit, but actually not. You'll hear in the conversation he's got a good attitude about the ups and downs he's had, and um, and I think he's experiencing a, a good an up right now with Man from Uncle. Which, you know, I don't know. I mean, as we tape this, this is before uh, the movie is open, so I don't know how well it's going to do. I hope it does well because it's legitimately. Um, and the marketing's been good, but I think it's actually even a better film than than the marketing would indicate. Uh, it's based on uh, '60s TV series, which I feel like is almost weirdly the biggest crutch it has to overcome because. Do you know, did you, have you ever heard of man from uncle?
1: Joel? No, I don't have a, any recollection of man from uncle. And also I feel like anything you've heard about in the recent pop culture history of things being based on a sixties TV series. Yeah. haven't really done that well. No,
0: it's strange. I mean, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, it's a, it's a good place to start with the film because basically the, the conceit of the film is, you know, there are spies from different countries, right? Like Napoleon solo, great name. That's, that's Henry Cavill, uh, American kind of secret agent. And then, um, uh, army hammers is like a Russian spy and they have to you know through the cold war come together and fight for a unified cause but um the, the the title is kind of meaningless i feel like to audiences today but get past that and you'll see a really slick stylish and fun spy thriller um much different than mission impossible like in the same month we have two really good spy movies that are much different from each other and i have to say really good performances from and i don't know why i'm necessarily surprised but man of steel i think was like you know we saw henry in a certain context he was like that stoic you know superman there's only so much dynamism that superman has but um this character he did a really good job with really suave and sophisticated and cool and um it's a good movie star role for him so good for him and good for army to find a a bounce back after Lone ranger as well right and uh I love his Russian accent in the trailers. His Russian accent is good. It's like, I mean, I don't, I'm not one to judge, but it's not, it's honestly not like super
1: distracting. Is it better than De Niro in Rocky and Bullwinkle? <laughs> it's very much inspired by that. Oh, okay.
0: Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and the women in it are great. Uh, Alicia Vikander, previous podcast guest, uh, is awesome in this as her great year continues. So, um, this, this was a blast. I mean, this is the exactly the kind of filmmaker, um, I love to have on the show because he's very frank and we even geeked out about Mad Max for a little bit bit. So you know he's a good guy if he if he loved Mad Max.
1: Did he did he like it, I take it? He loved it. Okay. He loved it. Spoiler, although he didn't sorry.
0: Although he didn't know, I felt like our one dividing line was um he didn't know the movie time after time which is a great little movie from like the early 80s late 70s with malcolm mcdowell it's a uh, jack the ripper yeah exactly yeah. thank
1: you I, I, I thank you joel i wish you were here when we were recording the podcast i was you just didn't. i was just staring <laughs> blankly I, and silently at the back of guy ritchie's head that's weird because the, the office is so small i don't know how i would have missed you mm, i can be very nimble and slight that's disgusting
0: um let's look at uh, some questions via twitter uh, ba, 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 from Christina aka do you, so when you read a Twitter handle do you read the name that pops up or the at
1: do you know what I mean do you what, when you oh like at so and so so
0: like for instance Christina whom I'm about to read her question see it says Christina yes and then it says at Miss Hook 007 which yeah. by the way is a
1: great handle Um, which would you go, which do I go by do you're saying at Miss Hook or just say Miss Hook 007
0: this is what I'm saying Joel Well, I feel like the convention is. or do I call her Christina
1: I think you've already addressed her every way possible. But I guess
0: <laughs> for the next one, what do I do?
1: I think Christina at MissHook007. That's a mouthful. That's a, that's a lot to put on Look, me. you want to give her promotion, okay. and you want to address her by her human normal name, okay. not her internet name. Hi, human Christina at MissHook007. H- 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 uh, uh, your question for me is, hi, do you think
0: Zelina has a true love? Big hug from Paris! Exclamation point. Thank you. Big hug right back from New York City. From me and Joel, collectively. I'm, I'm more like a wave from right. a distance a distant, I, not, a distant, nothing
1: personal it's just you know I don't know hug, you
0: okay a big hug from me a distant aloof wave from Joel thank um, you do I think Zelina has a true love absolutely I'll confess, when I looked this up a minute before we started the podcast, I didn't know what Zelina was. So Zelina, I guess, is is a shipping thing going on with Once Upon a Time. Um, which, for those that don't know, my brother a little, little promotion for my brother Adam Horowitz, uh, Adam Horowitz, LA on Twitter, uh, creator co creator of Once Upon a Time. I get a lot of tweets of people about Once Upon a Time. I think I don't know if they assume that I am my brother or that I just know everything about the show. Or I assume that you just call your brother after the show. And yeah, we get, just talk for a couple yeah. hours. Uh, no, I do like the show, um, but I, I can't claim to be a true expert. But sure, I think Zelina, I feel like everybody's got a true love, and Zelina's no different.
1: I hope so. I'm always rooting for true love. I also, I was uh, I thought maybe it was Alfred Molina and Zoe Saldana was the ship that they were doing. Oh, right. It's not. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not. That's only my personal fan fiction. You should start that up right now. Is it Albert Molina in the guise of Dr. Octopus? <laughs> it's, yeah. Dr. Octopus. It's a- and natiri fanfic yeah and then he does say brilliant but lazy somewhere in there
0: <laughs> um what else to talk about oh some cool stuff just a uh, viewable on the on the website on mtv.com and, and mtv's youtube page uh did some fun stuff this week with uh kristen stewart and jesse eisenberg did a second go around with them for um Uh, american ultra which is a super fun kind of stoner action movie uh that was good how many years have you been talking to Kristen stewart i mean virtually since i came here it's been I, i i often say and i and i i i kind of want substantiation i think i've interviewed Kristen stewart more than any other human being on the planet and i'm not saying that to brag but i want if if you need some distinction on the planet earth that might be mine
1: congratulations what's yours joel uh i've i'm the uh, i guess i'm the you yeah, know nothing <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't even uh, joel master look. of improv here's the thing yeah i i, I just yes I that that's the first thing <laughs> second thing is <laughs> i just hate myself so oh, i am nothing don't to, bring us down. i do you know what I'm don't just kidding. do
0: it um i guess that, that that's all the preamble for this week thank you joel as always for joining us you really you killed it again Thank you. Um, join us next week. Oh, another cool guest. Should I say? Who? I'm not going to say who it is. It's a really good actor, Get- Oscar-nominated actor, but I don't want to say it because sometimes these things fall through. Trust me. Really good actor coming up next week on Happy Sand Confused. But in the meanwhile, let's talk filmmaking with Guy Richie with a British class.
1: I even got him to Good job. Enjoy.
0: Um, thank you for coming by today, Mr. Guy Ritchie. Welcome. uh thank you very much for having me his his voice just went much cooler we were just having, <laughs> we were having a very casual. I was up there a minute ago. <laughs> we were dishing on really uh on summer movies but now we're we're on message uh no congratulations again i got a chance to see your film the other day i really enjoyed it man it's it's a, it's a good ride um where are you at right now in your in your head because there's a lot going on in your life between wrapping a film getting married and putting out a film into the world
2: i i oscillate between thinking too much about this and caring too much about this to not and I can tell you I much prefer the latter than the former (laughs) Um, the anxiety I'm pretty cool if I say this about myself about making the movie yeah and then I don't sleep for a week (laughs) when it comes to the release of a movie. And I'd like to sort of transcend that anxiety, but I'm not sure if you ever can. You just get your knickers in a twist and don't sleep
0: at night. Were you like that from the beginning? Was there something of a I I was little, much worse at the beginning. Oh, really? I, was, yeah, I yeah, think there yeah. might be yeah. ignorance in the beginning of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to ace this. I know what I'm doing. No, you know? no, 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 no.
2: No, there is. I mean, but if you, you know, these movies take it, say, a couple of years to make. If you think you're down to a week's anxiety out of two years, you know, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, and then you know when you first start, no, there's much more anxiety. So the, the it diminishes, and then you, as I say, you oscillate between getting your knickers in a twist and not. Yeah. So it's not like you're always, but you can feel your your body contract. Yeah. And then it relaxes. It contracts and relaxes. All about the anxiety, of of the release. And so your your intelligence gets the better of you sometimes. You go, you know, in a bigger picture, this all means nothing. Sure. And again, you oscillate between big picture and small picture
0: in some ways maybe this is the timing is good and that obviously just got married and you literally just wrapped this, another ginormous movie maybe you've had less time to obsess
2: yeah I, I, all way.
0: of that's good actually yeah. distractions
2: are good although it's probably not the solution to the problem it's it's <laughs> certainly some version
0: of a band-aid right right so have you been uh, we were talking before about like there's a spate of, of really good actually spy films this year did you did you view that including one from a, a good friend of yours Matthew Vaughn which was excellent Kingsman um, but couldn't it be more different uh, night and day in terms of uh, vibe. Was that something that you guys talked about? Were you aware of this? Is that something that, again, you overthink oh god, we're in the middle of all these other movies that are in the same genre? Or you're like Oh fuck it! I got I've got my own thing. I'm confident. What
2: oh, I'm we're doing. Allowed, we're allowed to fuck it on air.
0: Right? I see. I I'm setting I'm setting the vibe for you, so you know. I feel like you'll be more comfortable knowing that you can. Right now, I f- now I know where we are.
2: Um, yeah, it's funny when you you choose these projects, you don't really take into consideration. Um, I mean, there's, the, as we were discussing before, the spy genre it seems to be like it's a crowded market yeah. at the moment, and but I suspect that all of us, the Vaughn. Uh, the Vaughan film, uh, Mission Impossible, yeah. Us. Um,
0: got Bond coming in And like you Christmas got Bond, numbers. whatever that is. <laughs>
2: Good and, luck with that, guys. Uh, <laughs> and I think we all occupy a very different space. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're different in the sense that we're in the 60s. And we've got a couple of spies. There you go. That. <laughs>
0: Just by sheer number, you're winning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, no, it feels like we, uh, we occupy a different space. So that hasn't really gotten in the way. Vaughn was shooting next door to us, actually, when we were making this. So we'd nip over there for lunch and a bit of a chit-chat. And, I mean, we, we watched poor old Vaughn go through the... Because uh, we went through prep together. They were in next-door offices, too. Right. And we watched the uh, finances come and go in that movie. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> to be fair to Vaughn, he styled it out nicely, didn't he? He, uh, he, he just... You know, he wrote that very nicely. I mean, like two weeks before, they had no money. Really? Yeah. So he watched all that anxiety, and then you know, it turned out to be a massive success for him, which is very good.
0: So, what what function do you guys serve in each other's life creatively at this point? Do you do you give notes on each other's work? Do, no, do you write things just- at all? Really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, the thing about you're either a producer or you're either a director. Once you have two directors. You've really got nothing to talk about, yeah. you know. Producers and directors have quite a lot to talk about. Directors, directors, like, hello, mate. Yeah, look nice. Mm, <laughs> nice, like uh, where you put the camera there. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. and it, there,
0: there, there. It's not a hand and a glove. It's two hands or two gloves. Yeah. Um. It's interesting in, in reading about you, and I've talked to obviously many filmmakers over the years. I feel like you come at it uh, at filmmaking from a very healthy perspective. In that, in terms of the actual production of a film, I feel like a lot of people and actors included they almost feel like they have to be tortured. It has to be painful. It has to be something like a a, a process, a gauntlet they have to go through. And you come at it from something where it's like, fair to say you don't come at it from that perspective. I do do not
2: come at it from that perspective. And I'll tell you what, it tickles me, watching other people that force themselves into that cauldron. Why would you? I mean, As if
0: that helps the process in the end? Well, I
2: I mean... you can just hit your head against a wall if, it, if you want to, or you don't have to. And we chose the latter. <laughs> and uh, it does. It's surprising. We have worked with people, actually. We've worked with actors that just didn't feel as though they could um, give a performance yeah. until they'd hit themselves very hard with a hammer five minutes before. But you know, you- some people some people are just built that way
0: what do you so if you've cast an actor already that's in that mindset how do you they
2: don't let you know that they don't let you know and until they get on set and, and they you see they're you're they're brooding in a corner
0: and they're oh yeah
2: and uh, no it's happened to us uh, where where we were a week in and uh the the actor was putting on a fabulous facade and and then a week in we started to smell a rat <laughs> <laughs> and we quickly started making phone calls to see if we could replace this individual, um, because we could see that we were, and it was a long haul, and it was a big role, and it was it was just going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. And the, there was the, there was the, the crossing the Rubicon moment, <laughs> and just before we crossed it, we. We sniffed around and all these other actors that we'd that were up for the role, we suddenly were making emergency calls for them to find out if they were still available.
0: (laughs) So, hypothetically, are you around? Yeah, you
2: you had it, has to be all hypothetical, of course. Um, so all those phone calls were made, and then you just they're all busy, and then so you stuck through it, and then. You have no choice, and then you open up their trailer in the morning, and there they are with a bleeding hammer in their hands, and they're unconscious on the trailer floor. Wait, is
0: this metaphorical or is this literal? Not really. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then they drag themselves onto set. Oh, no. What's what's left of them? And then they and then what they can't after they've done a proper job with themselves on the hammer, then they turn the hammer on everyone else. Oh, God. And you just have to put up with that for months, and it's a sickness. It's a proper dysfunctional illness that some people are afflicted by. And you would have thought,
0: and yet Tom Hardy is Man max now. Congratulations! I thought I thought it was just I toss one out there, see what happens. I didn't say it was male, by the way. No, okay. Just
2: fishing, just fishing, always. <laughs> um, so there are. It's a funny thing. I think when you decide. Um, to go into this business there's there's a motive somewhere there's a seed there's a genesis and depending on what that genesis was whether it 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 came with levity or or it came with weight yeah. is dictates about which route you're going to take in this game and it, from the beginning i always thought filmmaking should be fun and a privilege in a way um it's sort of like I still see it, something like a sort of school project, where where you, someone said to you the the most fun that you ever had at school was sort of doing projects, right? right? And someone said, "Look, go and make here's a video camera, hmm. and uh, here's twenty five bucks, and you and that you four, you're going to be director, you're going to be pre- producer, and you two are going to be the actors. Now go make something, yeah. You know, and you go, oh right, I've got twenty four hours, you're going to cobble it all together and see what we can get, and." It still feels like that to me, filmmaking. Um, it's just you get a bit more than 25 bucks and you get a right. couple more actors. And it feels like the sort of the grown-up version of a school project. Yeah. And I think if you can hold on to that, then it's, the entire process is pleasurable. I mean, I cannot tell you how pleasurable I find it. Um, the, the only time that I don't find pleasurable is the anxiety like around this know, around this time this now, this right now. Yeah, but I tell you what, you know what? Like I say, if that's the price, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, I mean, you. I keep, mean, compared to the other uh, poor guy that's that hammer that that's hammering themselves, yeah. right? and then they hammer them their way through the entire process. And there's something self-destructive about that. They're trying to bring on their own demise yeah. before. The demise is brought on themselves. Right. I'm
0: going to be in control of the situation yeah. to a degree, which yeah. is a little fucked up in the head. Yeah. But whatever gets there you through the day. There you go that naughty word again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look, I've been at MTV for years where I haven't been able to curse. So once I got a podcast, oh, I'm like, right. I'm going to fucking curse as much as I can. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll get there in a second. i Build on some courage. <laughs> I think you can handle it. Um, but it's also interesting you've been able to navigate that. And that still comes through, that kind of that, that joy that's on set. To these films that are that are not independent films, these are studio films, these are high budget films. and that that's it seems like you seamlessly made that transition. We're able to to retain that spirit that was in Lockstock through Sherlock films through this one. and that that's that's a tough road for a lot of filmmakers.
2: Well, it's been a journey. it's been a journey, and it hasn't all been pretty my journey. you know, I, I came out of the slips quite uh, rapidly, and I'd argue really too rapidly because, People knew who you were and I was a relatively inexperienced filmmaker and what I'd rather have done is come up slightly slower yeah um, and exercised more um, more of a creative expression yeah in all sorts of genres which ironically I'm sort of doing now and so I, f- I would have felt more experienced and then what happened was I came out quite fast and then I thought well I want to try the stuff. Yeah, you getting
0: opportunity. Um, it's hard to say no. Hey, I'll give you some more tools here.
2: And There's all sorts of other things that happen too. The strange psychological things that happen to you because all of a sudden you're making money that you never thought you'd ever make. Right. And in a weekend, like uh, when Lock Stocks came out, I made more money in that first weekend than I ever thought I'd make in my entire life. <laughs> and the weekend before, I mean, I was on 200 bucks a, a week yeah. previous to that. And then that plays with your nut and it plays with your nut because you think because we're all conditioned to believe that money is going to take care of all of our issues don't dissuade us
0: of the sky please uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> And then you find you've still got that itch, and that you cannot scratch it. By the way, it does take care of a lot of issues, but it doesn't take care of the fundamental issue. So, and then you have all sorts of issues with that. I mean, it's a whole fucking growing. Oh, there we go. Yes, welcome. Um, (laughs) It's a whole growing process. Yeah. Right. So you're growing at the same time you're you're um, exercising your creative. Uh, well, your job, essentially. Yeah. And, and through that process, you have ups and you have downs and you make things that are accessible and things that are not accessible. Um, and then in the end, you, you find what you believe to be. Um, you, f- you find where you think the margins of acceptability in terms of an audience right. um, lie. Um, And of course, you want to you want to somehow straddle that line. Sure. You know, you want to keep challenging yourself and making things that are interesting, but simultaneously hold on to an audience. And, uh, you know, it's a business after all. And, you know, you want to make sure that that if someone lends you 10 bucks, you give them 12 bucks
0: back or whatever it is. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned sort of like, you know, you, you kind of accelerated that career, accelerated maybe more quickly than you could have ever anticipated and maybe in retrospect even wanted. When you look back, I mean, it doesn't seem like looking at the filmography, you know, you can you can assign things based on critical reception or commercial reception that that were maybe a misfire or two. Do you consider any of them? Like, do you look back at them with any any of them with like regret or do you feel pride in all of them?
2: Um, it's a good question, and I'm not sure how to give you an answer because I'm not sure how honest I can be. You can be super honest. So, well, I, 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 how, how honest I, I think I am and how honest I really am are right. two different honest. Got it. Right? <laughs> okay. So I would say, um, and this is as honest as I can be, I don't regret any of it. But I'm also in a position where I don't have to regret any of it. Right. You know? So um, if, if I rattle through uh, how my films went, uh, so Lockstock did very well and then Snatch did very well and then um i did swept away which was arguably you know i i got properly
0: you got you got you went through the paces
2: oh yeah i got properly uh, the thing was is also i was married to one of the most famous women in the world at the time I hadn't which heard which, about that. which really? made it oh. also incredibly public because it then right. it became such a, a story in itself yeah and then she was in the film. And then I was like, I like the movie. Yeah. And then neither of us took a fee on the movie. And we thought, well, you know, we're, we're not going to get... What can we lose? We're we're not gonna, yeah, we're, we're not going to get judged money. on yes, this. Exactly. They, everyone knows we're not getting paid. <laughs> and then, of course, it didn't transpire like that. And then you got to reflect back on the naivety of that.
0: Yeah. Um, it was your time to be whipped in the press. It was like everybody gets their time. And apparently that was your moment. Well, then there was Revolver. Well,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a lower key. Uh, but i tell you what, it wasn't in the UK. Really? Oh, no, no. I got proper oh yeah by the time i'd finished with those two I, my confidence was truly shaken because they were films i still liked yeah. right and they both um embodied things that i thought were interesting and creative and all of that was thrown to the wind and you were just judged on the critics yeah. and and uh whether you're successful or not so there were those two and that that hurt in the sense that you had to try and get your confidence back and you had to try and get a job back yeah and i'm telling you it wasn't easy so and then
0: it's uh, that rock and roller the, and the then press. it was rock yeah. and
2: roller and then and and it was hard to get that money you know and again i I'm not sure if I took a fee or anything on that. And then from there, people went, oh, they got their sort of confidence back. And then since then I've, you know, it's been been easy since then. But I and to a degree, well, none of it's easy, but it's to a degree, it's understanding, you know, yeah. as I say, the the this unseen line of where people will follow you. Now some of that's vitriolic and angry and egotistical, and some of it's realistic sure. and acceptable. Um, however, you have to live within w- both of those worlds, right. right? So somehow you have to reconcile um, all of our egos. Uh, so it's it, we have to accept that people will be uh, vitriolic if, they, if they're if they allowed to be, if you right. give them an opportunity to be. Uh, and you can't be naive about that. And as I say, I'm borrowing money to make a film and I'm interested in making a profit on borrowing money at the same time making creative product that's worth Worth making.
0: Hey guys, would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? I assume if you're listening to the show, you're probably all three. Well, don't worry. Loot Crate is the subscription box for you, if that's what describes you. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with over $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, and more delivered to your mailbox every month. So make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on any new subscription Each month is a different theme. All are inspired by classic movie and video game releases, as well as pulling from pop culture franchises. Previous crates have included items from franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, Legend of Zelda, and much, much more. This month, we're all cowering in fear at the return Of the villains. Whether they're terrifying or tragic, something about bad guys and gals is just plain fun. Probably the snazzy outfits, army of henchmen, and totally relatable treat yourself to some sweet loot attitude, right? Thanks for joining us as we celebrate our darker side with epic items from Marvel an exclusive DC figure, a unique wearable item they've never put in a crate before. By the way, this is a huge crate this month. Just remember, it's good to be bad. Basically, Loot Crate is like a good friend who knows what you love and surprises you with an awesome present every month. And did I mention that they ship to over 13 different countries, too? You guys have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. Just know that when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. You missed out. So go to lootcrate.com happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on your new subscription today. Maybe there there is comfort also to be gleaned from, you know, talking to many filmmakers and actors over the year that this is, the, I mean, it doesn't maybe help the wound in the moment, but that a lot of films people come back around to. I don't know if maybe the, the you know, what was assigned to swept away was so, so big and so harsh. Maybe it's going to take another five years for people to really, truly watch it without any kind of baggage. But I feel like it happens at a certain point where. There is a new appreciation. There is a new way to interpret something without the baggage at the time.
2: Right, and that may be the case. You could, you can probably tell now. And I can say this with as much honesty as I can believe uh, that I can muster, is I don't care. You right. know, I don't care now because I don't have to care. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and the other thing is, I gave up reading the uh, the reviews. The reviews years ago, um, and that's not out of kind of uh, spite or it's just practical Absolutely. it's a practical it decision screw
0: with your head. Yeah, but it,
2: you know you go up you go down you go up you go down and there's a there's a worm and there's a hook in the worm and the, the worm tastes good and then you realize there's a hook in it <laughs> you know so if you look at all worms Wait a second, i was hooks. a genius
0: a second ago what happened <laughs> i thought we
2: all agreed on that <laughs> so if you look at all of it like hooks then you don't get you don't get drawn into yeah. it and you just you know i enjoy the films i make um i'm, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit that but uh, partly because i forget that i made them yeah. so you know i went to that that screening that you went to a couple yeah. of nights ago. And that's the first time I've seen it with an audience. You know, up until now, I've only seen it with five people. Wow. So, uh, and I forgot that I had anything to do with it. And there's all sorts of things in there which I hadn't... Uh, I thought I'd not seen before. I obviously have seen it
0: before. But I think, oh, <laughs> Did they not let you line? in the edit room? Have you been separated from the process? Um, <laughs> it, you just forget, you know, yeah. it, you know every now well, and then. Well, you're also hearing different reactions that don't happen in an edit room when it's two guys or That's four certainly guys true, but I'm
2: telling you, it's more than that. You know, I caught Snatch on TV the other day and I couldn't remember anything anything about it at all. And by the time it finished, I thought, yeah, oh, that was a great movie. You made that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a relief yeah. that I like that yeah. aspect of filmmaking. Do, you know, I like the aspect that I don't become, I'm not self-flagellating. It's yeah. not awkward for me to watch these things. You know, I just forget. I just become a popcorn eater, put my feet up and, you know, get stuck in.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about Smy because I know some, a subject you've been talking a lot about lately, but like, give me a sense of your where you come at spy movies. Like, what was, who was your Bond growing up? What was your... Bond was
2: probably my Bond, um, in the sense that, well, there was, uh, there was the Ipcris file, there sure. was uh, Palmer, Harry Palmer, I think it was his name, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, help me out with his name. Michael Caine. So Michael yeah. Caine. So I adored Michael Caine in those, uh, there was a particular genre. Um, there wasn't just the Ipcris file, there was another one.
0: Um, uh, well, there was another uh, Harry Palmer movie. There, was an- there were three
2: was, Harry Palmer movies, yeah. I seem to remember. Anyway, he was a kind of great character, and you, you'll be able to tell that actually we're, we're influenced more by Palmer than we are by Bond to a degree in the, in the sense that Palmer comes from a sort of a mischievous uh, background right, um, rather than just being a civil
0: servant. Yes. You know, uh, it's hard. Your Napoleon Solo has some ulterior motives uh, in it for himself Well, a he's bit.
2: developed, and also he's developed skills. Um, which are sort of capitalistic skills that he developed as a you know as a squirrel trying to get a nut, yeah. as opposed to he's a guy that went to college and he went and joined his Majesty's secrets, <laughs> his Majesty's government, and then the Secret Service. Right. It, for me, for me, that's all a bit of a. I'm not sure how interested in that man I am because he sounds like a civil servant. Bond has made made it manifest wonderfully, sure. um, but it's not such a sexy beginning yeah. as a guy that. Came up the hard way was a squirrel that developed all the, the requisite skills that you need to acquire a nut. Right, and then he has to work for a government because they have something over. It's either a five-year jail sentence or sure. whatever it is. But they can see his uh, his his, value the, that has, his yeah. yeah his his skill set is what they require. And I like that guy. I'm more interested in that guy. We're always more interested in in guys with character which usually involves some kind of nefarious activity then we are interested in good guys good guys are bland and the first bonds you know they had sean connery and sean connery just felt like a naughty boy yes uh so they transcended lots of the inherent issues of just being a boring civil servant because he was cocky yeah and had swagger and was politically incorrect and somehow all of that, but, the, but just oodles a charm. Yep. Um, and I was influenced by that. So a cross between Harry Palmer, a bit of early Bond. Um, it really, what, what you're interested in is coming up with an alibi for how to illustrate an interesting character. And the spy genre just seems to be just another way of doing that. I'm not really interested in spies. I'm interested in character. Yep. And the genre allows me to, to warm my hands off character. Um,
0: and, and in this one, you I mean, you have, I was talking to you, you know, off mic before, like, it, you've cast this one exceptionally well, and you've put actors in it that I've enjoyed in other things, but I frankly, I've enjoyed them more in this um, than anything else I've seen. Um, Henry, I think, is going to, arguably, this is going to do more for his career in a weird way than Man of Steel, in that it's showing how charming he can be. You know, Superman is a lot of things. He's not necessarily the most... Fun character to be around and charming man to be around. I'm curious because like every cool actor in Hollywood was or in the world was like mentioned for these roles at a certain point. Cruz was was attached to it, I know briefly, and that that's interesting to me just because of who he is and 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 the, and how big a star he is. And I wonder if that would have changed the dynamic of that relationship. I mean, did the film change much when it went from someone like Tom Cruise in, the, in Napoleon Solo to someone like Henry? Because right now it feels like a two hander or even a a forehander if you want to include the the two great leading ladies you have. Yeah, I think I can –
2: I'm very flexible because, you know, we write all of this material. I'm very flexible about being able to move – uh but then my original idea for napoleon solo was that he was going to be brad pitt was who i wanted actually um i asked pitt to do everything
0: (laughs) so so does
2: everyone else but um you actually
0: have the number so that helps
2: and he i wanted him to play the older role and i wanted the russian to play play the younger role Mm -hmm. so there was going to be an age disparity as well there and then uh told me to piss off so and then and tom didn't so then i had tom uh and then that that dynamic was i wanted tom to be older and you know the same thing and i can i can make that work and then needless to say uh mission impossible interfered (laughs) with uh the uh with the process because considering that's coming out two weeks ago and we're coming out two weeks later um so, you know, he was occupying too much of the same space so that fell apart. And then, you know, I got two guys that were both of them were actually reading for the the Russian oh right so and henry was reading for the russian but henry with blonde hair looks silly so that he was out of the equation but once the tom thing didn't work then obviously it just made sense to sort of put him into that slot but that took me all of 30 seconds to be able to shift from having an older guy yeah. to having two guys at the same age yeah. uh, so i got a lot of flexibility in what it is that I, how i can make something work what i'm interested in is tone right so I can, I can, I can make it work in terms of tone. If he's an older guy, uh, if he's a black guy, if he's a Chinese guy, none of that interferes yeah. with the process um, or where they come from, as as long as you can stick to the tone. And that was my that, that was my only concern really, because I like the tone of the original series, and I like the way it didn't take itself too seriously, right. but it still had stakes, and that's really what I wanted to capture. So. You know, you give me uh, all sorts of actors and I could have made it work. I would have made some
0: incarnation of that work. You, um, previously on the podcast, I had, a, I had Jude on a few months ago and we were talking about Sherlock, of course. And he was talking about these amazing, uh, it sounds like amazing sessions that you guys have where you kind of get in a room maybe a few times over the, the last few years in terms of like figuring out what Sherlock, the next Sherlock would be. He was saying that he had an insane idea at one point uh, that to involve time travel. ...in a Sherlock sequel. Where did you come down on Jude's idea about time
2: travel? Actually, uh, Ivan, who's sitting next to us... ...has been through uh, a lot of this with me. Um, Jude actually had very good ideas... uh, ...all the way through the process. And, you know, my experience is most actors do. Most actors are creative. And they have ideas. And by no means am I the... uh, ...custodian of uh, creative ideas... I'm the guy that just goes, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's actually a good one. I just sort of – I cobble them together. Yeah. So it sort of turns into some kind of film. But the more people that chip in, actually, the sort of happier I am. And Jude always had good ideas, surprisingly good, and came up with some good lines too. Um, the time travel one may not have been his uh, – his, <laughs> his top five. That uh, wasn't the zenith <laughs> of uh, – his ideas.
0: <laughs> Look, as someone that was that was the film, the H.G. Wells one, Time After Time, that worked. That had time travel in it. That involved uh, a little Arthur Cohen Doyle and uh, Jack the Ripper action. It's been done. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck you're talking. Really? about. Really, you don't remember that one, Time After Time? Nicola, oh, Ivan, uh, help me out here, mate. But I'll get you the DVD. It's okay. It's okay. Eighties movie. Uh, yeah. Okay. Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Trust me on this one. Okay. Uh, you have just wrapped, um, I think you have wrapped, right? Next of the, we the have, table? Yeah. Which sounds like, I mean, I'm curious about this in many respects, um, you know, given the kinds of, you know, work you've done to see what your take on something like this will be is is fascinating. I mean, you were talking about sort of like, yeah, ironically, it's it's kind of inversely happened in your career where you're now almost like pushing yourself in more unique, strange areas later in your career as opposed to earlier, this feels like kind of a departure in many ways. I mean, would you say it is, or does it feel like... Yes,
2: I I would, but I suspect, um, and there's nothing more that irritates me when people say this, so forgive me. Uh, You know what I'm like, you know? Like, well, actually, I don't really know what you're like, because... Why would you think right. that I think about what you're like? Right? <laughs>
0: you've spent a lot of hours thinking about my yeah my style, Josh. Right? Uh, it, yeah. it, so, but I've,
2: my suspicion is, if you've seen a few of my films, you'll have a take on what it is, is that you think I'm probably going to do yes. with Knights of the Round Table, and I imagine you'll be sort of within ten or fifteen percent <laughs> right, um, accurate in your uh, in your perception. And I think that's that's probably what's happened. I mean, I got. A lot more money than I've ever had. Um, and that's been unbelievably fun. It's funny as I've been comparing, you know, I just watched the first four reels of uh, King Arthur, and you see the scale, the, uh, the muscularity of it dwarfs anything that, you know, I feel sort of rather, we feel like we're playing in a very small uh, sandpit right. uh, with anything else. And then you come into this world and you really are playing on the beach.
0: Well, even when this was—I don't know if it was officially announced—but there was talk like this is part of potentially a six-film saga, and like, I mean, that's that's ambitious. And I know, obviously, your task is to make one that works. That's right. On that's, it own. It. that's it. That's it. Um, I mean, does does magic f- figure into this? Do you have Merlin? Is that? Oh yeah, that you yeah, mean, yeah. Was like- I
2: mean, actually, there was a chap. Um, I'll take as much credit as I can wherever I can. <laughs> um, but there was a chap called Joby Harrit, Joby Joby Harold, who's uh, an English guy, a screenwriter, um, and. He came up with one simple pitch. I've been working on this for quite some time, the King Arthur story. And uh, I'll, I'll say I'll take the credit on the fact that the story is essentially mine. But there were two elements which were fundamental which changed the whole equation and make the... Idea of this being a franchise work, and that was you've got some of the most icon- iconic characters in narrative history. So you've got King Arthur, you've got Lancelot, you've got Guinevere, you've got Merlin, sure. you've got who else? You got
0: Is that? You lot? got that stone. The stones right there. You got there.
2: the stone. <laughs> you've got a sword. You got Excalibur. So, by the way, there's a lot of guff going on here, right now. Our problem was we were all trying to put all of this information into one right. film. Well, all you do is you just you use one of those elements in one film. So you take King Arthur, yeah, and or and and you and we've ended up using the the sword as well. Sure. But that's two elements, two heavy elements that everyone's heard of. Um, so the the sword, the stone, King Arthur. If you start playing with Guinevere, if you start playing with Lancelot, if you start playing with Merlin, it starts getting very congested, and it's that becomes a problem because all really all of those characters weren't a film on their own. Right. So that was one sort of masterstroke that this chap came up with. And the other one was um, the size of the fantasy. Um, And that made it competitive and it made sense. So you had a sort of perfect alibi as to be fantastic. So you can have 300 foot elephants in a film where a, a sword is being extracted from a stone and you can deal with one or two yeah. um very well known brands or characters without as i say becoming too congested so that was the sort of masterstroke that was a 30 second pitch thin out the narrative just just deal with one iconic character and Put in three hundred for elephants, and, <laughs> and and by the way, where do I sign up? <laughs> boom! Come on! And we all we all put <laughs> our
0: hands up in the room. and that was a thirty second pitch. Amazing! Uh, I've got a bunch of random things I want to ask you about stuff in your career because I am a fan and I followed your career closely over the years. I remember, and I loved what Jared did with Moriarty. I will say in Sherlock, but I do remember there was rumor at one time. There was early on. There was Brad was was rumored. There you go again. I know. Always. Do you just to coming out? He,
2: no, he knows this. He. I mean. You know, uh, it was very sweet to turn up to my wedding the other day right. just because i th- think think because I've just worn him down Just to perpetuate ten- them. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, and he knows yeah. he's going to get the call in the next one. And he's going to carry on.
0: What about Daniel day Lewis? Did you ever try to get him? Did you ever get to meet? We with did. Him I
2: didn't meet. I, I met him when he was a cobbler. In, uh, <laughs> he was in that mode. Oh my god! He was. Yeah, that, this was previous. I was on the piss somewhere yeah. in uh, where is it?
0: That's years ago now. It, it
2: was. Where well, was it? It was in Italy. But I'm just trying to think of one of those Italian cities where he was. Well, Florence. I think he was so a cobbler was in, in Florence. In
0: Gangs of New York. That was that whole thing, and
2: right? it was. And I, I think we went on the piss back then um, for a night, which I've done with quite a few actors in the past. And <laughs> it's an it was
0: initiation. A, yeah, you got to go through it. it
2: but by the way, it is a sort of initiation, yeah. if that's the language you speak. I mean, I cast all my actors on how much I get on with them. So well, it goes
0: back to the bloody hammer. I mean, they have, to, it does, it know, does. You know.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, a night in the pub usually sorts out the boys from the toys. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that is a sort of an organic process. I very rarely talk about the work itself and just talk about, are yeah. we going to get on? Um,
0: because there's the presumption by this point that you know how to act, that you know what you're doing and almost as important at this point is, are we going to get on? Yeah, for that's four it, months. That's it. You,
2: you, you know, do they get your tone? Do you get their yeah. tone? And, are you going to get along? And yeah. that's really the the lion's share of my concern. There, you're right. We, you know, we're all long enough in the tooth to be able to go. Well, I know you can do it. So the question is now: Can we do it and enjoy ourselves?
0: Yeah. So Daniel didn't. That was that was. Just so da- the one and then,
2: no, and then there, it did. There was dialogue that was open, but yeah. I, you know, I've had this conversation with lots of actors um and it's a painful long tedious process because there's lots of people in the middle and it's much easier now if i get ever if, if i ever get my hands on an actor i get their number directly so yeah. we can just have the conversation directly because it wouldn't work with jude and we've just uh, done another film we did king arthur with sure. jude and it wouldn't work with jude if the middlemen were allowed to have their way in the end i just called up for, um, jude Make, make it happen, and it <laughs> happened. And it had had I not had his phone number, it just wouldn't have happened. Right, I'm to getting distracted. Sorry, where well, was I? Like, no,
0: it's all good. So it's, it's Daniel, um, it, it never oh, really so Daniel, and
2: that and that process, yeah. and, and there was a process, and there's toing and froing, toing and froing, and, and, and in the end, you just fucking balls to this, <laughs> and then you end up going with something that will actually, you know,
0: knows what he's doing. Jared's Jared's solid, or Jared's
2: solid, yeah, and he's wonderful. And um, but you end up going with someone that you know that you can get on the phone, yeah. that you can meet in a room, and. You know, you can get on the piss with.
0: I, I You know, I'm kind of surprised given, you know, you, and you're one of these filmmakers that I feel like in this day and age, it's rare to have like an association with a studio that's ongoing. It's like you think of Clint Eastwood back in the day, but you've worked a lot with with Warner Brothers. And I'm kind of surprised that I, I, I'm sure you've talked to them about comic book movies. I'm sure that you've had those meetings, at least to talk about it, since they're so active in that space. Is that something that you've come? I mean, because I remember there were we've even talked back in the day. I feel like that Sergeant Rock was talked about. It was Lobo even in the mix at one yeah, point? Yeah, it
2: was. I'm quite glad I didn't. Well, i got to say, the, the Sergeant Rock's pretty good. And I, I rewrote the script on that. And I've got to say, I, I like it. Yeah, And it was pretty good. I don't know what's happened to that. Uh, it sort of fell by the wayside and someone's got their hands on it. Yeah, But a, well, a lot of these issues are administrative and who yep. has
0: the rights and how much they want and yada, yada, yada. I think that's the problem with Sergeant Rock um and finish and fitting into their grand plan too like you know maybe prioritizing the superheroes over the other stuff
2: maybe, maybe. all yeah. as i know is if if someone had made it simple for me to make sergeant rock i would have made a very good yep. version of sergeant rock yeah um so we'll put a pin in that Lobo, <laughs> i'm glad we didn't go near that um I why thought, is that well so it's just because so i don't think i could have done a good job mm-hmm. and at the right time i was having a ch- uh, chat with the chap was head of the studio then um Jeff off, yeah. um, Jeff and I had a conversation and he went, you don't really want to do this, dear." And I went, no, I don't. <laughs> and he went, okay, we'll let this one go. So, and I'm glad that happened because I wouldn't have known how to pull that one off. But I was, you know, in the stage where I, I'm prepared to try new things, Sure. but I've got to tell you, I think I would have caught that one up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then since then, I've been s- distracted with being busy yeah. with other projects. One have been great to me. They've been, um, I mean, there are, i have no horror stories about warners yeah. you know they they are there to facilitate the filmmaker in my experience and there's been nothing other than a helping hand at any time got to tell you they're adults and they run a pretty uh, pretty grown up show there
0: do you, do you, are you a big consumer of film nowadays or I mean, do you watch a lot i watch a lot of film so what's what are some films in the last you, I night mean, you've been pretty busy lately you but a fucker <laughs> uh it's this is the dreaded
2: question right and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to throw it back onto you and you're going to tell okay. me all of these films well and I'm, then i'm
0: going to tell you what i think of them speaking of warner mad yeah. max is uh, yeah we love mad Genius, max i think is amazing yeah, yeah, so yeah
2: nice. oh good well i'm glad to hear you say that ivan again who's sitting next to me here ivan and i uh, ivan is a real film buff and uh, he's my encyclopedia of film so when i always defer to him when uh, i'm not sure about something so uh i and I went and watched it. He kindly bought us a couple of 3D tickets, and we went to the IMAX. And uh, it, it was the best action movie I'd ever seen. It's amazing. Yeah, it any was. Amb- it was amazing without any ambiguity. It was by far the best action. No, film. I've seen it I've five seen times it. in theater. I mean, it's, oh, have you? I'm oh, good for with you. Oh, okay, because well, I went back for the second bite the, the next week. Oh, uh, it's quite fine. I'm pleased to find someone that's uh, yeah. a fellow enthusiast because the way it's constructed is. It's it's a it's a work of genius. Yeah, you know,
0: we. And I, I got to have George in this office too for the podcast, which was an amazing treat, and like to see just sort of like you know he's talked about it as pure cinema. It's like minimal dialogue yet tells a compelling emotional story at times, and and just from the action perspective, it reinve- just. I mean, how just, do you how do you reinvent action at now and in his seventies? It's just remarkable to see. Yeah,
2: and it just, um, I I would argue that the two major parts is the commitment to a style. Yeah. which is then. uh, which has become manifest um, perfectly. This is what I want. This is what it will look like. And that vision... Felt like a director's vision, so ten out of ten for that, yeah. and the execution of the uh, of the action was ten out of ten for that. Yeah. So you've got two 10 out of tens. <laughs>
0: You're off to yeah, a good start. Yeah, know,
2: it's a it's a big deal. But it's funny how it didn't really uh, get traction with a with a with a popular audience.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 in that kind of gray zone of whether they could like. It's so silly to talk into these numbers, but it was like made like almost four hundred million. Is that enough to like warrant a sequel and that kind of thing? It's in that that weird thing when we get into the silly business side of things, but. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway, there you yeah. go. So that so that was a film that was uh, yeah is worth talking Wh- about. Who were we? I mean, going back when you were a kid, like, were you like a cinephile? Were you like someone that like like when you when do, were you most aware of like filmmakers or, uh, or aware that filmmakers were doing their I, thing?
2: I, if you look at the movies that I download, they're embarrassing, um, and I, I I would hope that no one has a look at the movies that I <laughs> oh, download. sure one or two. What do you well, got? I've got them all on my phone. There, I'm not gonna <laughs> show you um, because well, it, well, yeah. I tell you why because. i I like watching as many things as I can watch. And I get tickled by things that not, I mean, I'm re- relatively predictable in the films that I like. Okay. Uh, most of the films that I like are animated. So um, I'm a big Pixar fan um, and I'm a big kids uh, fan. So, you know, a combination of Pixar and kids, you know, yeah, Incredibles, I think it's one of the best films ever made. Um. So I can bang on about them for a while. with yeah. Just the sheer geniusness. And I'm rather embarrassed to say I was a big fan of Frozen, too. Um, <laughs> partly because I've watched it a thousand times because right. all my kids watch it a thousand times. I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old girl who, you know, that's all she wants to watch is Frozen. I'm sure. So I know all the songs. Yeah. If you and- want to close
0: out the podcast with your rendition, <laughs> let it go. I won't stop you. <laughs> it's not a pretty sound. By the way, I have sung it a lot. So...
2: Um, so, no, it's funny. It's a broad, it's broad. And then, of course, I like relatively esoteric cinema. Yeah. Um, I like foreign cinema. Um, so I'll like lots of stuff that you'd predict that I'd sure. like. And then simultaneously, I mean, the films that I really liked when I was growing up were, like, uh, I was. I leaned towards the more popular action stuff like Where Eagles Dare, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. That uh, the Guns and Avrion, sure. that were kind of accessible and glamorous and
0: broad. Enter Sergeant Rock. I can see the the linkage. Yeah, There's, yeah.
2: Um, so you know, I like I like that kind of cinema. But then you know, like. I love The Prophet. Did you like The Prophet?
0: Oh, I haven't seen it. I know everyone loved it. Yeah, oh, I haven't God, seen it's, it. Yeah. I mean, sensational. Yeah. I've seen that five times. Okay. And, I've uh, been busy watching Mad Max every day. Oh, right. so, I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: so, um, you know, I love Tarantino stuff. Yeah. Um, I love a strong director. Um, I still think that filmmaking is a director's medium and the more director driven it is, the more I enjoy it. Yeah. The more I could uh smell and feel a director behind a camera, the more the more uh, I feel I can relax. Yeah, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Out
0: of all those, you know, big yeah, you sort feel of things. you feel a unique creative vision behind it, which is hard. Yeah, I just a felt a voice. I felt yeah. a
2: confident voice. I've, you know, certain people are born to do certain jobs. Yeah, and I can I feel palpable. Uh, I feel a palpable sensation when I know a filmmaker was born to be a filmmaker, yeah. you know, and there are conspicuous, com- you know, characters within that. Tarantino is sure. one of those characters. We just know that that's what they were born to do. Hans Zimmer was born to be mm-hmm. a composer. And it, it it's so conspicuous. Yeah. Well, it's conspicuous to me. And there's all sorts of other filmmakers that I feel that about. Um, and I, I get quite excited when I feel that.
0: Yeah, well, I, I would on- honestly extend that back to you. I think anybody that's seen your films, and it's it doesn't get in the way of the filmmaking, of the fun and the story, but they can see your stamp on it, and you, and you, uh, you really brought a, a great fu- a sense of fun, a sense of style, a sense of coolness to this film, and I, I congratulate you on it. Man for Michael's a good piece of work, man, and thanks for stopping by today, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. We did it. Any last <laughs> expletives you want to throw out there? <laughs>
2: No, but I'll tell you what, I do appreciate that last 30 uh, seconds. Was the, was, was the other 40 minutes? That
0: <laughs> <laughs> was the other 40 minutes as enjoyable, or just uh, you, you were no, in it for the but, last 30? Uh, no,
2: a conversation. I like a conversation. Um, and like I said, I thought I was going to have to come into a studio where everyone had their baseball caps turned backwards, and I was going
0: to have to get down. Yeah, we're going to do that next. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you weren't told? <laughs> uh, it's good to see you, man. Thank you again. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh,
3: Womp up the jams, womp it up. Like a disjoint. What? This feels really weird without the song. Tough. Can you at least beatbox? You can't afford it. Can you beatbox, bitch? No, you can't. I can't start the tape over. Bitch, can you beatbox? Yeah, sure. <laughs> i didn't say do like the mating call of a mountain gorilla jane goodall oh, that's nailed it <laughs> all right hey i'm marissa Wampler, and my show is called <clears throat> womp it up we're coming at you from the marina del rey public high school library where i'm a student and every episode, me and my teacher and quasi-legal guardian... It's legal and central in central and parts of South America. Whatever. We interview the most fascinating teachers, students, and janitors at my school until I overwhelm them with my movie star charm and my incandescent sexuality. Can we play a clip? Yeah, here it is. You're not guilty in the eyes of the law. All right, all right. Like O.J. Simpson. Oh, I don't want to be like O.J. Simpson. That doesn't make me feel good. Why not? not? He's a terrific ball player.
0: Terrific ball player.
3: Guys. And a good actor, too. No, listen. Not bad. You're the only people, guys, you're the only people who are going to argue in his defense. I'm not arguing anything. We're just saying that a court of law.
2: Court of law found him innocent of murder.
3: So get to Earwolf.com for your favorite... Earwolf.com. What I Earwolf.com. Earwolf. Like Alf, your favorite show. God, I love that show. Earwolf.com or your favorite podcast app right now and womp up those jams. Pop. 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 pop?
1: pop. 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 Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.